you know the subject you're going to deal with. Normally, and listen to me right now, I'm already started. Normally, we as Pentecostals get a little emotional about this wonderful message of truth. And that's okay. We get a little emotional. We normally do it on Pentecost Sunday. We do it with guests and we do it with new converts. And we kind of do it on an emotion. Emotions are all right, you know, tears, weeping, shouting, laughing, whatever, rejoicing. But, but the Spirit quickened me the other day and said, you don't need to preach this. You need to teach it. Now, now the emotion, here's what it'll get you. Now, the baptismal tank's warm. It's ready to go. I plugged it in myself last night. Unplugged it this morning. So it's nice and warm. We preach against that ice cold baptisms. <laughs> if you don't have to, you just don't do it. You know, some people seem proud that they got baptized when they had to break. Oh, they had to break the eye. Well, whoopie doo. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but normally we, it's all ready to go. Anybody wants to be baptized today, if you've never been baptized in water in the name of Jesus, just like the Bible said. According to the scripture, that's the only way I know to have sins remitted. Okay, so that'd be a that'd be a good reason to do it if you've never done that before. However, people get it, and I'm not preaching against this because we've done it for years. People get it on a tide of an emotion. Everybody gets carried away, and you, but they don't know what they got. Could we do a little bit of a more of a long term? And we're going to just deal with the scripture just a little bit today. We don't have to come back tonight. I'm not planning on keeping you a long, long time. However, we don't really need to get in a big rush either. Because I think Brother Green talked about the word, the sword of the word today. It's our weapon in Sunday school. I believe that the thing that's going to solidify this church and us personally is not a shout, even though we're going to keep shouting. Not a dance, even though we're going to keep doing that. But but it's going to be what we hide. And I think the scripture says, David said, I, I, I'm going to hide the word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. So so if you want to if, if you want to just not be one of those that just kind of comes through and then just passes on, it, it, it takes spirit, all right. But the Bible says it takes, you know, the truth, the word, you know, the, the word and spirit. And so if you don't get this, let me tell you what. You have smooth, slick people who call themselves ministers, preachers, teachers, whatever. Just go online. I, I was reading, in fact, Brother Bobby, I was reading just a couple days ago, Pentecost Sunday. So, I, so now we go online, you know, and, and I'm telling you, this guy was so convincing. And I'm thinking, I've been doing this a long, long time. Miracles are over. Miracles are past. You know, somewhere about the past, after the 19th chapter of the book of Acts. I mean, he did a series. I read it, the whole thing. And I'm thinking in my spirit, if I didn't have this baptism of the spirit, this guy would probably convince me. And that's what's happening out there. You don't get grounded in the, listen, a shout. Again, I already qualified this. We're going to dance before the Lord because that's what the Bible said do. We're going to shout with the voice of triumph because that's what it said do. And all the other emotional shouting, listen, it's not out of order when it does that. However, if you don't get past that, some smooth, slick, so-called theologian is going to tell it, start telling you in a lot of different ways that you don't need all of this and you don't need to pray for a miracle because God stopped doing miracles about Acts chapter 20. And especially this tongues business. I want to talk about that just a little bit. But I want to use some Bible and use some common sense in the middle of all of this to help some of us out. Hallelujah. Just in case. Maybe this is just preventive teaching. Maybe I'm preaching to the choir and maybe you're dealing with people and maybe doing a Bible study. You're going to find questions, amen, that will come up that you may not have the answers to. 
Amen. Acts chapter 2. Hallelujah. If you've got your Bibles, I know you've been standing a while, and I will be mindful of that. Amen. But Acts chapter 2 records the verbatim history of the birth of the New Testament church. And that's what we're in right now. We are a continuation of the New Testament church. Amen. Old Testament was our schoolmaster. We don't throw it away. It's there. It tells us what's right and wrong. It's the letter. Amen. It's the history of Israel is basically what the Old Testament is. But we're in the New Testament now. And the book of Acts chapter 2 is the verbatim recording of the birth or the beginning of that New Testament church. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. Everybody there? If you are, say amen. If you don't have your Bible, just look right up here or we'll just have it up here. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, like it was like it was, that was a, 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 a point that they finally got to and they finally, when it finally got there, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them. Verse four, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This all took place on the day of Pentecost which is 50 days after Passover celebration or the crucifixion, actually the resurrection, 50 days. Actually, Pentecost just simply means 50, and that's what it's talking about. Amen. Well, look around, smile at somebody. Amen. And we're going we're gonna to get going here. Amen. Don't go to sleep on me, though. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Beautiful smile, beautiful congregation. Amen. Glad you're here today. Now, let me qualify this just a little bit. Uh, the word of the Lord has a way of, uh, uh, again, Brother Green alluded to it and gave scriptures where it's like a sword. In fact, it's a two-edged sword. It cuts both ways. So it can get down to the quick and tradition is very, very, uh, you know, very tough to deal with. And we all have some of that, even Pentecostals, not just the Methodists and the Baptists, but Pentecostals can fall into a traditional place and whether it's true or not, if you do it long enough and live by that long, then after a while you'll begin to think it's true. So it's hard, really, really hard to break traditions. I remember I remember Brother Johnson many, many years ago, 60s, 70s, when I prayed through to the Holy Ghost in 1962, we had all Pentecostal churches, If just go off track here just a little bit, amen, they had a bench, a wooden bench, just like the one that we had in our family up against the wall that we, me and my two brothers sat on at lunchtime and dinner time. We had, they had, everybody else had chairs, but we had a bench. Just like that, carpenter built it, nice bench, only longer in the church. That was the altar bench. But I remember when, you know, we got to moving into praising and shouting. They'd have to move those benches out of the way around the altar. Those benches, beautiful benches. Some of them were padded, and you could put your elbows on. Beautiful. I love the old altar bench. But, but it became a tradition. And I remember churches and elders especially had huge problems when people would remodel their church, and they would build steps kind of like we've got, which we use for the altar, because we not only use it for steps, but they're carpeted and people can kneel all around the altar and in places. Praise the Lord, we got aisle runners here. Praise the Lord, she's excited. Excited about the moving of the spirit already. Go to me, Ma. <laughs> Hallelujah. She's showing all your kids what you can do and get by with in this church. She's, she's leading already. She's the leader. Hallelujah. Her mom will take care of her. <laughs> But, but these, these benches became a part of us, not biblical, not scriptural. Altars were scriptural, but we had probably had church splits. We probably had folks leave the church because this is a statement. I just can't believe it. They took the altars out of the church. No, they didn't. They took some benches out of the church. 
but I'm just telling you, I'm not against the benches. I've already said, you know, but, but this is how tradition is. If we're gonna all, if we're gonna put a real altar in the church, let's get some brick, hey, Brother John, and some stone, and, you know, because the real altars in the Old Testament, that's our schoolmaster, they, they put one where they could build a fire on it. If we're gonna do altars, if we're gonna be biblical, let's just go and do that. I'm just simply saying that our traditions sometimes get in our way of truth, amen. I often refer here about the guy, the high uh, executive in Chick-fil-A, when they simply ask him, they said, you know, what's the definition between, uh, of a marriage, just marriage? And he's, just, he's a guy that sells chicken. He's, ex, he's expressed that. He's not even political. He's, I don't know if he's a Democrat or Republic. Or, I don't know what he is. But he just gave the definition of a marriage. He said it's between a man and a woman. Simple as that. That's all he said. I believe he told the truth. But because he told the truth, I'm just qualifying when we get into the word of the Lord, just maybe for somebody here, or maybe the, 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 the CD will go out somewhere, amen. He just simply said it's between a man and a woman. That's my definition. But it seemed like the whole world, all the liberal media that's jumped on it, listen, they've gone past just, you know, just kind of tolerating it. Now, Hollywood and, and liberal media, and everybody's so afraid they're gonna get left behind, so they not only just tolerate it, they promote it. Oh, it's a good thing. And so they got so angry and so upset and said he is selling, you know, not chicken, but he's selling hate and bigotry and went down the line. Do you know that same spirit gets a hold of folks who is in tradition and all you do is you just give them the scripture and they say, boy, that church is so off the deep end and they hate people. You know, why can't we just talk about love all the time? Why can't we just talk about mercy? And well, we talk about that. If you come around here, we preach about mercy and love. Amen. And that's all. And, and love is the most powerful thing around. But, but there are some truths here. Amen. That I hope that we just like receive. Why? Because it's in the Bible. It is what it is. Hallelujah. Prophets had prophesied hundreds of years. Just so you know that the day of Pentecost didn't just happen. Oh, gee, oh, by the way, let's do something. No, no, it was in the plan. These prophets prophesied hundreds of years earlier that this day would come. Isaiah 28 and 11, he said, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. And it's coming with tongues and stammering lips. He said, it's gonna be the refreshing. Oh, do we need a refreshing or what? Hallelujah. This is, what the, this is what the world is looking for. Jesus himself, just days earlier in Mark 16 and 17, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. There's power, amen, in that name. They shall speak with new tongues. Now you think he was just kidding That's just part of it. That's what follows. Now, listen, when we come to this altar, you have to qualify, keep qualifying this for the critic possibly who may listen to this. We do not come and seek tongues. Oh, God, give me tongues. That's not what you seek. You seek after the Holy Ghost. Amen, because he said, without my spirit, you are none of mine. So it tells me I need to get this thing, all right? Amen, but, but when you believe, Amen. Some things will happen. It's a lot of things. We preach about it a lot. Listen, there's all kinds of emotions we have. We have people who receive it with weeping and tears, with shouting and rejoicing, and all kind of things take place. But none of those, they are signs. It can be because we're emotional. But there is one common sign that you will find throughout the scripture and that is the tongue. Listen, you know why? Because that tongue is the, James said it, is the most unruly member of the body. And James was the bishop of the first church, the early church that we call it, amen. It's the most unruly member. You can't tame the tongue. He said you can lock a man up or a woman up in, in, in jail. You can incarcerate them, amen, but they can still curse and they do. 
They can still do all kind of things. They can speak things that they shouldn't speak. But if, if we allow God to have that most unruly, he said it's like a bit in the horse's mouth. It's like a rudder, amen, on a huge vessel or a ship. Amen, God will guide us. Amen, hallelujah. These positive, power of positive thinking and speaking people, they've caught a hold of this. Amen, get rich quick people, you know. Salesmen get a hold of it. Amen, guess what? You get what you say, you speak. If you're always down and out, you keep grumbling about it, guess what? You will be down and out. And people pick up. That's a principle in the, throughout God's word. Listen, nothing happened in the beginning, amen, until God spoke. He said, let there be light. He spoke, amen, and there was light. That's how God created all of this. So we need to get on that principle, amen, and start using that for our own benefit and for the benefit of the church, amen. When the 120 came pouring out of that upper room, rejoicing in their newly found experience. The whole city heard about it. They always do. <laughs> the reaction to all this was threefold. Need to get this because human beings, human nature's the same no matter what dispensation you're in. I said the reaction to all of this was threefold. There was amazement according to the scripture. There was doubt and then there was mockery. Acts 2, 12 and 13, and they were all amazed and in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. These three attitudes have been the standard, probably reaction to Pentecost throughout the ages. Amen. Oh, but I love that next group, which was us, after they heard Peter's preaching. Now, remember, he stood up with the 11. He didn't go off track. I've heard that. Can we just like touch on some of those things once in a while? Oh, I, I would rather take the words of Jesus than I had the words of Peter because you know how Peter was. He was an open mouth, insert foot kind of a guy. You know, and he was always saying, oh, I, I don't know. But no, no. The Bible clearly said Peter stood up with the 11. What did that mean? That meant that all of those apostles who had walked with Jesus, they understood him better than anybody else in the world. They were in total agreement. If somebody would have said, hey, hey, wait a minute, Peter, you're going off track. No, no, no. They were all in agreement on Peter, the man who had the keys to the kingdom. Anybody want to get in the kingdom? Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody? Yeah, we do. Amen. Listen to this man's words. Hallelujah. Amen. So, but, but then after that message, they said there were those who were pricked in their hearts. That's what happened to us. That's why we're here. It, it, you know, it, it may have been some amazement and there may have been some doubt. Like, I don't know. As people hear that, 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 maybe you never said it, but I've heard people say it even lately. Uh, somebody said the first time they went to a Pentecostal church, they said, if I ever get out of this place, I will never come back. <laughs> that is a reaction because we do get pretty wild and carried away here. Hallelujah. But Satan unleashed his first assault against this Holy Ghost truth with these words. Men, these men are full of new wine. I mean, in simple language, those who observed the outward signs of the work of the Holy Spirit were seeking a rational explanation for a supernatural experience. It never works. But that's what was happening. Amen, amen. This satanic spirit is still with us today, and I already mentioned it. Went online, looking at tongues, and again, you will find all. Listen, I've always said this too. Yeah, after you've been this long as I have, and some of us around here, you'll understand the, the, the trickiest lie, the most damaging lie, the one who will deceive you quicker is a lie with a little bit of truth in it. That's why religion is so, you gotta be careful of that because people will quote scriptures and the guy that I read that was so impressed me a few days ago, listen, listen, he always conveniently left out some main key points, Brother Johnson, just always, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching with him. As I read, I'm like, well, why don't you just hop over here and tell this? No, 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 they've got a, they've got a train of thought and it's against God's holy doings here. 
Oh, God wants to pour his spirit out. Hey, listen, with what the word says along with the experience that some of us, listen, I understand that I didn't understand when I went to the altar. But something, Brother David Harry, got a hold of me when I was just a 12-year-old kid. I can't, I can't wash that off with soap. You know, somebody said, I don't know how to explain it, but I know that I know that I know. <laughs> and I know that that don't go very good in a, in a theological Bible study. I understand that. Amen. But, but along with God's word, backing what I received up, that tells me that God did not quit pouring out the Holy Ghost. He did not stop some back, somewhere back there in the last part of the book of Acts. It didn't end there, all right? Amen. So, so you know, this, this is a, like I said, a satanic spirit. It's still with us. Now, here's how it works. As philosophers, psychiatrists, psychologists alike, they join hands in an attempt to come up with a logical explanation to what meaneth this. <laughs> what does all this mean? It's okay to ask the questions, but we need to make sure that we're, we get the right answer to those. There, there, there are answers to that. Sermons have been preached. Lectures have been presented. And books have been written in an attempt to explain, listen to me close, with the carnal mind, what meaneth this? Hallelujah. If man could only see that you don't have to leave the second chapter of the book of Acts to get that answer. The same in the same almost in the same little spot. If they asked the question, then the answer came. It's as simple as, in fact, it's almost too simple. We gotta go into the Greek and the Hebrew and you know, you don't have to do that. Listen, God would not have created a situation where regular people couldn't understand it. In fact, most of the scripture's that way. That's why when people begin to prophesy about the blood moons and you know, and God's coming back, supposed to come back in, uh, what was it, uh, last September. September's where, you know, Always, you know, and, and isn't it is strange that a guy that don't even know how many gods there are is explaining all that. And when you got even Jesus' name, Holy Ghost people, they're just scared out of their wits. They're like, oh, God, you know, I, one guy was explaining that to me. Amen. He was doing it with passion and giving me books. And, you know, and he looked at me and he said, Brother Curry, you don't believe this, do you? I said, no, I don't. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice and I wouldn't have said that unless you just asked me a direct question. You ask me a direct question, I'll give you a direct answer. I've called him lately and just said, hey, left a message, but he won't answer his phone. How you doing? Checking on you. <laughs> I love the guy. I told the church the other day, I went through the 60s, 70s, and 80s where they had prophets prophesying when Jesus was coming back. You need to get to know him. And I believe God will give you a revelation of who he is, how to receive the Holy Ghost, how to be the proper way to be baptized, to have your sins before he tells you when he's coming back, or at least during that time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The same, listen, the same chapter that asks the question also gives us the answer. What are you saying? Listen, God's got it all right here. If we'll just listen, First Corinthians, watch this. The second chapter in the 14th verse explains, I believe in plain language, why so much of the Holy Scripture is misunderstood. Watch this, amen. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness. And I wonder how many times people have come in and said, man, that's just ridiculous. That's far out. Why? It's, it's the human, it's carnality. Watch this, neither can he know them. He's telling you, Paul is telling you, you can't understand. Listen, I see people who are out of church, Brother Green, a long time. There they come in, they look good, they look sharp. And you know, my spirit, Brother Ruck's telling me, you know, but they ain't got an ounce of the Holy Ghost. Not picking on anybody if you hadn't been here, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just wanted to say that. 
You know, there's a, there's a spirit of discernment. There's a spirit of knowledge, which most people believe none of that works anymore. You just struggle your way through and pay your tithes, then you got it made. You're a good person. So was Cornelius, <laughs> but he needed the Holy Ghost. And God didn't let that slide either. He sent an apostolic preacher with the keys to the kingdom. And while Peter yet spake, amen, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. I want you to hear it today. Hallelujah. I said, I want you to hear the word. Holy Ghost didn't stop being poured out. Hallelujah. Amen. These things are spiritual. That's why there's so much confusion. Amen. Listen, intellectual people, doctors of theology. Amen. They've been to, they probably pastored the first church under the, you know, frigid air. And, and they, you know, they probably went to cemetery. I mean, seminary, you know. And so, you know, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, and they're trying to explain spiritual things to us when they don't even have the spirit themselves. In fact, don't believe in it. Oh, they believe in it, all right. But the moment you believe that Jesus died and rose again, you're automatically born again. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, that is false doctrine, according to the Bible. I said, that is false doctrine. Oh, you just get a good feeling. That's like I can believe hard as I want to. Amen. I got a Cadillac sitting over there in my driveway. Guess what? You know, it ain't happening. First off, I don't want a Cadillac. <laughs> but if I did, amen. I believed all I could to get this church. And we're going to get it. Faith's going to work, but not immediately. We almost got it paid off. Amen. But, but you know, you just, you just believe Jesus died. And, listen, that does not constitute the born-again experience. Amen. Listen, Jesus said, lest a man is born again of water and of spirit. You know that sound? That sound that Jesus himself was telling John before it ever came. He said, that sound, hey, that comes. He said, it's going to happen to everyone who is born again. Read, read, that, read all of that chapter, amen, and you'll find down there. I have it highlighted in my Bible. So is everyone that is filled with the Spirit. What are you talking about? He's talking about a sound. It, it didn't conflict with Acts chapter two. That sound was another language. In fact, if you look in the original, that word sound was phone, which is phonics. That's where we get our word for phone from. There was, there was voices, there was, you know, there was language. That's what Jesus was saying in the original that everybody just looks right over. And when it came to the day of Pentecost, it happened and he'd been telling them all the time, amen, hallelujah, but they wasn't hearing it. That's like most of us, tradition, amen. Our altar bench is getting away, hallelujah, amen. We might make a note in all of this too about this discerning the spirit and, and all of this that the only time philosophy is found in the Bible, God was warning against it. Look it up. Look, look it up yourself. Amen. It's in the, name, it's in the same category with, with vain deceit and the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Read, read Colossians chapter two. Amen. One writer wrote of those in, in the world having eyes to see, but see not. Having ears to hear, but they hear not. Why? Because it's spiritually discerned. Contrary to the belief of the traditional Christian, the abiding credentials of the Holy Spirit became other tongues or other languages. I know it's far out. I mean, you know, the human mind gets a hold of that. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be make more sense if we could just walk the aisle, fold our hands, look dignified, accept Christ as our personal Savior, by the way, which is not in the Bible, when I, when I start my home Bible study, did it for years, but I start, you know, doing all of these, these, non, these popular non-biblical phrases. You talk about a rut and tradition. What's wrong with it? You know, accepting Christ is a really a nice sound. It is nice. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against that per se, but I'm, what happens is we get used to it and Christianity has done that worldwide. Accept the Lord as your personal savior. After a while, we start thinking it's biblical. Nobody ever said that in the Bible. Jesus never said, he did say repent. Unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Peter, the man with the keys, the first thing he said you gotta do is repent. That means if you're going this way, that means you'd start going this way. We don't wanna do like the guy that testified in Brother Harrington's church and said, I thank God that when he filled me with the spirit, I did a 90 degree turn. <laughs> 
We don't want to do that. I think that's what some people are doing. You need to go a little bit more than 90 degrees. <laughs> I just took a sharp right. That's what I did. Or I took a left. No, 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 no. You need to turn halfway around and go. The, that's what repent simply means. Anybody say amen to that? Hallelujah. Aren't you glad, amen, that God, when he fills you, amen, he sets your feet upon the highway of holiness where no unclean thing can walk thereon. That's what the Spirit does. Hallelujah. Amen. Speaking with other tongues is simply the outward manifestation of an inward supernatural experience. You give yourself to God, amen. You get so hungry and you cry out, amen, till you can't cry out in your own, you can't put it in words. And groanings, which cannot be uttered, comes forth. Amen. Stammering lips comes forth. Now listen, I'm a liberal when it comes to this, you know. Don't get me wrong, amen, but, but, but you know, I, I let people have it pretty easy. There's some folks, man, you don't speak plain in whatever language it is, you know, nah, well, you know, it's, it's, it's horrible on faith. It's a faith destroyer when people come and beg for this gift that God promised us and, you know, and hanging. No wonder we've got a bad, oh, I'm going to, listen, you don't have to tarry anymore. You come with faith. Hallelujah. That's why that I tell people, if we're going to liken this to a, a child being born, this born again experience. Listen, when our babies are born, they don't speak plain uh, with their language. It's gibberish and all kind of little noises come out and it's so, it's so sweet to us and we just think it's just the sweetest thing. We would be ridiculous. Listen, the Spirit's the same thing. It would be ridiculous if we just got upset, amen, and gave up on them because they didn't speak plain English when they were born. It comes along and when a Christian, amen, is born again, that's why that the prophet said, for with stammering lips, is this too liberal for some of y'all? Is this too, too on the edge? Listen, I want people to be saved. Listen, somebody said I didn't get enough. Neither did I. It ain't nobody in this building got enough Holy Ghost. If you want to play that game, amen. Listen, at least they got started and said that. Guess what that was? That was the Holy Spirit of God. Was that everything? Nope, wasn't everything. Amen, but that's what the prophet said, amen. He would speak to us with stammering lips and another tongue. We did just like we always do. We human beings get in there with our reasoning and just mess it up. I want them to really get it, so I'm gonna get down and I'm gonna make sure they Listen, I can not even hear them speak in tongues. I'll just get a little more liberal with you. If I didn't even hear them and they told me they got it, guess what? I'm just saying, thank you, Jesus. After a while, their fruits are gonna reveal whether they really got it or not. And we're gonna encourage them to come on and get a little more. Is that okay if I preach that? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Listen, there's every kind of doubt and fear. Listen, these are two words that we need to be, make sure we listen to here and get. Doubt and fear. It's being taught regarding speaking in tongues. Everything from they were preaching the gospel to all the people in the various languages, dialects. You, you've heard that before. Oh, they were speaking in tongues because they were preaching the gospel. There's not one scripture for that. There is a scripture in there that says, how hear we every man in our own tongue? And I have witnessed that in foreign countries. Somebody who can't speak English would actually speak. They didn't preach the gospel to me, though. We heard them praising God and magnifying God. Listen, anybody can do it. People will get the Holy Ghost and you hear, and I've heard people say, who knew German, they say, you know, that's a little bit of German in there. And of course, we're from, raised not too far from French country down in South Louisiana. We were in the North part. Now, I've heard my mother say, they were speaking French while they were receiving the baptism of the Spirit. Amen. So various languages, they, you do hear them. It's a common thing, and that's what was happening in the second chapter of the book of Acts. Amen. They heard them. They did hear them speaking in their own dialect. But you got folks who are, their, their whole agenda is to stop tongues and be against tongues, and they don't want you to speak in tongues because it's of the devil and the whole bit. Amen. To put fear in your spirit. Amen. And they say, well, they must have been preaching the gospel. You gotta have something to get around it, but that's not 
biblical. Amen. Tongues cease a short time after Pentecost. Tongues are to be feared because they're demonic. I mean, I'm telling you, everything. Number one, they were preaching the gospel in the native language to all these potential converts, okay? They then, why, listen, why then did they, if that's what they were doing, why did they ask Peter and the rest of the apostles, what must we do? If they already had the gospel, they could have just went on their way. But they asked, amen, that's the question right now. Tongues were only for the disciples, then they ended. Amen. Paul, amen, uh, would not have been uh, instructed to outline such an extensive set of rules in 1 Corinthians. Y'all still with me? Is this too much? Y'all, okay, I don't, I don't want to bore. Amen. If God had not intended for their continued use in the church. Why did he have Paul go over and over for a few chapters there? You know, oh, by the way, Paul wrote that letter of, of giving all those, you know, directions about tongues, what to do, how to, how to operate in the tongues uh, to the Corinthian church around A.D. 59. Do you know that was like 26 or 27 years after Pentecost? So it didn't, didn't die out, you know, real, real quick. If it did, well, we know it didn't. Number three, watch out because tongues are demonic. Listen, 1 Corinthians 14 and 2, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. 1 Corinthians 14 and 4, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. All we gotta do is just ask ourselves, let me ask you, would you like to be edified? The word edify, if you look it up, it's got all kind of meaning. But anyway, it simply means built up, encouraged, strengthened. Anybody, and he's talking about in the spirit. Would anybody here, sure, everybody in, in, in here, their hand would go up if we want to. We want to be, in other words, you can get a blessing for yourself. That's what he said. He that speaking in unknown tongue edifieth himself. First Corinthians 4, 4. 14 and 8, 1 Corinthians said this, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. That's what the apostle Paul said after dealing with tongues and talking about tongues. I'm hoping I can liberate somebody right now that's got this, oh, I don't know about tongues. I don't know, I'm a little afraid of this. Amen. Listen, go to the Bible for your answers. 1 Corinthians 14 and 39. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy. He was teaching the difference between prophesy. prophesying is in our native language but tongues are in another language. He said, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. So, I mean, how clear can you get when Paul dealt with this and said, hey, hey, you want to be edified? You know, hey, you, you speak in tongues. That's how you do it. And when folks cut loose and begin to speak in another language, to us, we're like, yeah, hallelujah. That's better than all the preaching we can do, all the laying on of hands we can do. All the no, no, that's God directly edifying and strengthening and building up that individual. So no wonder churches are weak. No wonder people, you know, are caving in under things. Let me just ask you this: How long has it been since you talked in tongues? Maybe we could say, How long has it been since you filled your gas tank up on your car? Oh man, I filled up beginning of the year. Man, I'm good. Yeah, right. You must leave it parked in the driveway all the time. Listen, if you want to keep that thing to keep going, you got to put something in it and that's exactly the way it happens in the spirit. No wonder people get a bad spirit, bad attitude. People get discouraged. People fall by the... Listen, you need to get to praying in the spirit and get yourself edified. Amen. Hallelujah. When one speaks in tongues, there is edification. American Heritage Dictionary uh, simply says... Uh, you know, intellectual, moral, or spiritual improvement in, and enlightenment. You don't understand something? Get to talking in tongues. God will give you a revelation. The question remains to this day, what shall we do? Hallelujah. For us to receive the same powerful experience that the first church received, we must give the exact same answer to the exact same question. 
Sister Allison, I felt held, I heard that war hoop over here. Wow. Hallelujah. Now, there's some places you couldn't do that. In fact, I'm sorry to say, but there's some Pentecostal churches. You'd be out of order, but you are right in order here where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. Hallelujah. Praise God. Acts 2.37, men and brethren, what shall we do? Acts 2.38, here's the answer. Repent and be baptized every one of you. I mean, you know, you know, I've heard whole sermons on why you don't have to be baptized. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Listen, let me tell you something. My human carnal mind tells me enough stuff that I don't have to do. I'm not gonna go somewhere and give an offering and pay a preacher to tell me all that stuff that my human nature always, it already does that. I need some preacher to challenge me. I need the preacher to say, come on, we can pray more. We can shout a little higher and dance a little more. We can give praise a little more. We can live holier. We can be a better witness. I need somebody to do that because my nature, I don't need somebody telling me what I don't have to do. But that's what people do. And maybe some folks want that. You're in the wrong, you're in the wrong room if, you, uh, if that's what you want because we're going to preach a little bit of truth to you here. Hallelujah. Praise God. Repent. That's the, that's the first message for the first church. Not the first Baptist, not the first Pentecost. No, no, no. The first Christian church. Repent and be baptized, and watch, watch how he says it, every one of you. Isn't, that, isn't it wonderful how that the Bible is so thorough and complete? Be baptized, every one of you, watch, and he tells them how, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the name of Jesus is the name that's above every name. That's why. At that name, every tongue shall confess. I know that this is I know that this is elementary to you Bible scholars, but maybe just if there's only one person here that don't understand that. Well, what about Matthew 28, 19, when Jesus said to his disciples, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, what about that? Let me just, let me be so simple with that. The disciples knew what his name was. He had already said, Philip, when you see me, you see the Father. You see, the fathers, they, they knew that, that he was the image of the invisible God walking on earth. They understood that. They knew he was the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and his name is Jesus. So when Jesus said, go baptize your converts in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, they said, okay. And just a few days later, they were baptizing every convert in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you mean? That is the name of the Father and Son and Holy Ghost. Amen. I want that name on me. Amen. I was put down in the water and somebody said in the name of Jesus Christ, I came up a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's because of the name. I said it's because of the name. Hallelujah. Amen. And we prayed every prayer that we prayed. You may be seated just for a few moments. Every prayer we prayed, we used the name of Jesus. You're going to hear us say that a lot because that is the name that's above every name. Why would we use any other name? It's just another trick of the enemy. Amen. To discount this awesome God that we serve. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. What shall we do? Here, here it is. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of sins. Watch what he said. It tells what it's for, for the remission of sins. And watch what he said. Here's the problem. Then, hallelujah, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Didn't say you might. He said you shall. That's why that when folks come up out of this water, Amen. Brother Green, so many times I can't remember the, I can't remember how many. Amen. We just tell them, hey, you come up out of there and you begin to give praise to God. And they begin to speak in tongues as a spirit. They just was buried with him. Amen. They just resurrected just like him to walk in newness of life. 
It pleases the Father that in him, amen, all power dwells. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm glad there's been a revelation to some of us here. Amen. Listen, if we change the answer to this age-old question, we cannot possibly come up with the same results that they had. That's what people do. They change the answer and expect to get all kinds. That's why people all over, denominational churches, they have traditional service. That means for the old folks. That's what that basically means. And then they have the new style. That's a, you know, they just juking and jiving. You know, I went down, I was, uh, not, I'm not no name the church. And somebody said, hi. I said, oh, man, the music was good. The guy's sitting up there, and he had his cutoffs on, you know, and he had his guitar, had his beard, looked like Santa Claus. Nothing wrong with that. I think he had dreadlocks. No matter if the Bible said it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Didn't matter, none of that. No, we don't matter no more. We got to be like everybody else. Hey, we ain't like that. We ain't never been, and we never going to be. Not as long as I'm around here. They, they had they had that too that too hard for y'all, <laughs> and they had a nice pretty lady up there on the platform, beautiful. Man, they, I mean, I kind of get a little envious of brother brother Johnson. I mean, they had everything that they I mean every kind of PA system. They had their little headphones, and they had. I thought, man, the devil is just supplying every kind of need. Amen. And 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 they had the guy with the guitar. You know, he was wooled over. You know, but he he knew what he was doing. He was good. And then they had a then they had a young lady with a uh, I, I don't know if she had a skirt too short. It seemed like one had a skirt all the way up to Jerusalem. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be critical. I wouldn't. I mean, I was happy to be there, but, but you know, you notice those things. And then one had a pantsuit on, which was ni- nice pantsuit, but she had the neckline plunged all the way. Does people not know? Where's the authority of the ministry? You know the Catholic Church is is much more, uh, much stronger in that area, than than a lot of our Protestant churches who's supposed to be coming out of that and really, you know, I, I was talking to Brother Nugent and uh, uh, I think I was talking to Sister Debbie about it down in Lake Charles. A lot of Catholic people. Well, he got a uh, he got a list of stuff requirements for people who use their building for weddings. Catholics. I know I know people just down on all the Catholics. They're way off. Uh, listen, even they. Whatever you think about it, even they, they know about what modesty is. They, they say, oh, yeah, you can use our building. You can, you can pay and use our building. But guess, guess what? Brides and bridesmaids, their skirts, their dresses and skirts have to be long down to the knee. It can't be a plunging neckline. It can't be. It has to be something up here. You can't have a, a, a one with a strapless top or a, no bag. In other words, the whole thing is modesty. Or, guess what? You can take it or leave it. You can't come in here being immodest. That's what Hollywood does. That's what the world does. But then people walk. I've been embarrassed in churches. People come in just ungodly. You can do that. Amen. Some places, listen, I'm, I'm not a stickler on that. I'm just simply saying it's all biblical. It's all scripture. What do we do? We just left all of that. It's Pentecost Sunday and I'm taking off on something here. I'm just simply talking about allowing the word of God to mean something to us. We can't move away from that. Let me finish. Hallelujah. Y'all wouldn't think I was much of a bishop if I didn't take a little authority every once in a while. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me, let me close. Uh, maybe what I did here to, today would just simply trigger off some curiosity. Maybe I created some questions. And, and this is not near all of it. Listen, it is so steadfast. It's so real, so true in here. Amen. Uh, before I do the closing, let me, let me do this. Here's, here's where a lot of denominational people who don't receive the Holy Spirit, how you going to lead people about spiritual things, which is most of the scripture is about spirit. How, how, how are you going to do that? How's a preacher going to do that unless he's got the spirit? That's what's happening. That's why we're going off track over here. That's why there's so many different religions and beliefs. And uh, if the Spirit leads us, the Bible said the Spirit will lead and guide us into all truth. Let, let, me, let me do this, and this maybe helps somebody here. 
the Bible talked, I mean, Paul talked about rightly dividing the word of truth. That scared a guy one time. You don't divide it. No, what that simply means is you need to put each subject in its proper place. You, you, that's what that means, dividing the truth. Listen, if I want to know about creation, guess what? I go to the book of Genesis. That's what we do. If I want to know about prophecy, I go to the book of Daniel. I go to the book of Revelation. You know, that's where guys, you know, went in a trance and they, in a dream, or they began to write things. And that, you, prophecy, you, you, that's where you go. If I want to learn about how to be saved, you don't go to the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, the reason I said that is this. If you ask probably 90%, and maybe even more than that, theologians, denominational preachers, if you will walk up to them and say, you know, I just want to be, I don't want to go to hell, I want to be saved, you know where they would take you? Probably to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Beautiful story of Jesus Christ. That's what it told, you know, by four different people. That you cannot find a plan of salvation. When we say that, you can't find out how to be saved in any of those places. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Somebody says, you don't believe that? Sure, I believe every word of that. But, but if you rightly divide the word of truth, listen, you, you see the life of Jesus Christ. You see him preaching and pointing to a date, which was Pentecost, and telling them, in fact, he said, go to Jerusalem and tarry. Somebody, Brother Johnson, or somebody quoted it already. You wait there until you be endued with power. That's the, that's the kind of messages. They were in the spot that Jesus told them to be in. And they were waiting on whatever was gonna happen. They didn't totally understand it. But they were there under his direction. But it didn't happen while he was, you know, here walking this earth. Didn't happen. Hallelujah. Let me tell you why. Now, it's in our New Testament, but it could be, again, I'm not trying to change up the Bible. You know what? I've been around this long enough. You know, they had scholars that put everything where it's supposed to be. That's why that I put capital letters someplace where they don't put in the King James and some of the, you know, because guess what? If they decided to do that, hey, I can make a choice too. I got probably just as much authority, if not more than they do. So I can say this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the beginning of our New Testament and it probably should have been in our Old Testament. Why? Because they were still offering up sacrifices. They still had the high priest that they had to go to and he had to go make atonement, amen, with the blood of that spotless lamb, amen, behind the curtain and normal people like us couldn't go there. So it was Old Testament stuff going on in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you cannot find out how to be saved you can find all kind of beautiful principles and we're gonna preach out of those books and teach out of those books, but when we come to where, how do I get saved? What do I do verbatim? You go to the book of Acts and you see over and over and over that they repented of their sins, they took them to the water and baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and guess what they did? You're right, they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory Jesus. Amen. Let me close. Let's all stand together. We need some music. Amen. And I know I went a little over time, but if I, I, I cannot, I cannot close this service, and maybe we won't close. Amen. But there may be somebody who's never received the Spirit, like the Bible said. And let me, let me say it again, not, not being critical to hurt anybody or anything, the moment you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that he died, rose again, listen, listen, that does not constitute the born again experience. Jesus said you had to do that. Had to, had to be born again. Amen. But when you repent, after you, of course, believing is the first step. You know, you have to, you have, to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Amen. So what I'm gonna do is just go ahead right now while I'm closing in these last statements and open up the altar. In fact, there may be somebody, you want to take somebody by the hand. And listen, I, I'm not trying to force anybody in to be a Pentecostal and it's things bigger than that. Amen. I'm just saying, you know, we had a guy who used to tell us all the time, I, I was born a Catholic. I went to Catholic school. I was, you know, baptized a Catholic and all the whole string of stuff. And he said, I'll just die a Catholic. I don't care what you are, you know. You just need to be born again. <laughs> I'm just going to do my job. You need to do it like the Bible said. Amen. You need to repent of your sins. That's simply saying, God, I'm sorry. Amen. 
I'm a sinner. I want to make a change. Help me, Lord. I repent before you. Please forgive me of my that's that's what repentance is, and you mean that. It won't take long if you're sincere. Amen. Amen. And then go to the water of baptism, and the water has nothing special in it, just plain water out of the well. All we do is when we put you down in that watery grave, amen, and we get you back up, we speak the name of the Lord Jesus Christ over you. That's what makes the difference. And when you come out of there, you're a candidate according, candidate according to the scripture to be filled with the Spirit. This truth is clearly brought out in the parable of the ten virgins. According to the scripture, all ten were virgins. All of them were clean. They were moral. They were upright. That's what that meant. That's a type of that. However, one distinction was made by the fact that five had oil in their lamps and five did not. Oil in the scripture always depicted spirit. Always represented the spirit. The oil made all the difference in this parable. Only those with oil in their lamps or all those who were filled with the spirit will be allowed to enter the greatest of all marriage celebrations. I mean, that's a little too strict and a little too straight for some people, but that's Bible, that's scripture. The Bible said to obey is better than sacrifice. You know, I believe God is just so desirous to fill people with the spirit. All this can just be Greek to you. All this Bible stuff, you know, but if you have a tender heart toward God, if you have a desire and a hunger for God, you don't really don't have to understand. I know that some folks feel that different. Oh, you got to understand this and you got to. No, no, I don't, I don't feel. In fact, the reason, Brother Ruck, that I preached that is simply because I knew basically zero about the Word of God or anything else about God. But I was stirred in my heart. And they told me that that was the Lord touching me and stirring me. And, and, and I simply followed their direction just ignorant about the whole thing but when I got in that altar I knew what I felt I knew there was something I had never felt before amen and I just followed their direction and I finally after I repented I lifted my hands to the Lord amen and it got better and better and better hallelujah amen so so maybe let some of you off the hook I don't really understand all of this I'd like for you to and that can come later but you can step out on faith, amen. If you desire, amen, for us to pray with you, they'll have folks that will help you and lead you right on in. I've always said it, I still say it. You give me a few minutes with a person around the kitchen table or in the living room, amen. I don't need the music going. It's all, it's just extra stuff, amen. But I'll just like begin to pray with you, amen, and lead you right on in, amen, to the gift of the Holy Ghost. We'll do it today. Just a couple more minutes. We're not going to wait. Hallelujah. Amen. Get some oil in your lamp because the bridegroom's coming. Hallelujah. I said the bridegroom's coming. And we, we need to be ready to go out and meet him. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's give him thanks one more time. In the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your touch today. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Amen. We celebrate Pentecost Sunday today. Amen. God bless you. Amen. To all of our guests, it's such a delight to see you here, to have had you with us in service today. Amen. And those of you, maybe you're a little embarrassed or you don't want to come up front, we'll certainly be open to talk to you, uh, spend time with you, explain to you whatever maybe questions you might have. God bless you. Amen. Church, make sure that you shake hands with folks. Amen. Don't forget, don't forget to see Brother Thompson. You may only just spend like five minutes, 
we are doing a, a, a refreshed outreach, especially to our follow-ups, people who've been here. Uh, I think Brother Jerry Klein is interested, Chad, uh, Brother Thompson, maybe a few, few others. If you'd like to uh, be a part of outreach, see Brother Thompson immediately. Amen, and we'll plan some things ahead. Amen, to get these folks back in here that's actually been in this church before. God bless you. Amen, you dismiss, be friendly. In Jesus' name, amen.